Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. What's crazy, what's good about them is if someone buys your presets and they're like, hey, these made my picture suck. It's like, well, it's because your picture sucks. It's not because of the presets. <laughs> so I always have the out. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Whiskey and White Tales podcast. We have a special podcast today with no real good opener. We're doing a bottle kill episode instead of a bottle pop. And we have a special guest joining us. I'm your host, Matt. I'm Gus. And we have Dom. What's going on? Back on again for round two. Round two. Welcome. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, we're excited to have you. You hit that big number. Back. So it's a celebration, bitches. All right? <laughs> big number. Yeah. Tell, tell them what you did on Instagram. What I did on Instagram? Yeah. Oh, that's why, well, we're, that's why we're doing this today? No, it's just, it just one of the reasons. <laughs> All right, fair. I hit the big 10,000. Oh, nice. 10,000 uh, uh, followers. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, very exciting. Very happy about that. Awesome, man. Congratulations. Thank you. And to yep. celebrate, I'm drinking some uh, Basil Hayden Dark Rye in my Whiskey and Whitetails glass. Thank you. Nice, nice. Very good. Good deal. How do you like that Dark Rye? You know, I actually do like it a lot. Uh, it's something I want to talk about with you guys today, too. Good, because we want to talk yeah. about it. For this <laughs> bottle kill, we're doing one of my favorite bottles that I found on randomness. And it's the Old Scout Smooth Ambler Single Barrel Select. This one is 12 years old. And uh, I typically don't like whiskeys that are this old, but this one is really good. Is that coming in at one thirteen? Yeah, fifty six and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yep. And uh, it was a store pick, so nobody can ever tell me that I'm wrong about the taste. Yeah. I don't store? think that the bottle will pop, but let's see. Boom. Nope. Because <laughs> <laughs> she empty. You hand me your glass. Yeah, Gustafsson. We might get two pours out of this. Nothing wrong with that. I don't spill it. Yeah. Yeah, I think we got a pour and a half probably. That's fine. Yeah, we'll save the rest for... But yeah, these episodes are basically pre-recorded ones that we're using instead of you not getting a Whiskey and White Tales episode. Yeah. We're out of town, unable to complete our abilities. So we wanted to have all the second round guests that we've enjoyed talking to and possibly one new one. And then we might have a couple just, just us, but yeah, the bottle kill episodes are going to be pre-recorded so that you get your weekly dosage of whiskey and white tails podcast. Yep. So if you don't, you know, in the, in the beginning, if you don't get an opener, we, we're not calling out a specific date or episode number. That's because we weren't quite sure where this was going to land, but we wanted to make sure we had quality 
quality content for you with a Q. So we spared no expense and we went out and got the one and only Don Gatto. Oh, I feel so honored. You should. I feel, should. So, I feel so appreciated right now. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm telling you, we're not bullshitting here. It's true. We wanted, we, we, we get feedback on our episodes, especially when we have guests and, uh, we always get told we don't have enough whitetail content included by yeah, you yeah, yeah. and some other people. Um, you know, so we're going to do a lot of whitetail on this one, I think. And um, that's cool. We'll, you want to? We'll get the whiskey ones out of the way. So, do you you want to start with yours, or let's start with the smooth ambler? Let's go with yours, so we can taste and smell while you talk. Okay. Now, here's the thing about as I'm going to take a sip of this. So, here's as far as I can go. I can't describe whiskey and bourbon like you guys do. I kind of drink it the same way I drink wine. It's either I take a sip of it, I like it, or I don't. Yeah. And I like that. <laughs> I mean, it's got a little sweet finish to it. It's There's no real bite to it. There's no real fire behind it. It's a good, like, after dinner kind of whiskey, you know? Okay. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how you're describe des- You're describing whiskey. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I, what, I can't figure out my palate on what I actually like and why I like it. I can't articulate why yeah. I like it. Yeah, I mean, it takes, so one thing that we recommend to people and, and that I, whenever I default, to, whenever I'm having a hard time, you know, picking out certain notes or whatever the case is, um, is I try to default to what it reminds me of, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes it might remind you of maybe a campfire or, you know, a grandma's house or whatever the case may be. And then from there, you can kind of start to narrow narrow down what those uh what those notes are that are reminding you of that you know what i mean mm-hmm. that's a good place to start there's also choice flavors and notes in in most whiskeys and rise are fun because they all rise have kind of like a rye spice profile to them but dark rise are going to give you a lot of that cherry like chocolate covered cherries kind of um, which is probably the sweetness you're tasting Do you yeah. taste chocolate covered cherries I taste, you know what, now that you say it, I taste chocolate-covered cherries. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. guys are amazing. How'd you do that? It's kind, of, it's, kind of like, it's kind of like when you paint a wall and you paint it blue and it comes out blue. And you're like, I told you it'd come out blue. It's kind of like that. <laughs> There's only so yeah. many things it can be. And um, usually people stick with the vanilla caramel wood flavor, you know. It's like, that's why we like to talk about what does it, what does it remind you of. Some people are like, it yeah. reminds me of the first time I stole a chocolate-covered strawberry from... <laughs> an edible arrangements and <laughs> a hotel lobby that wasn't for me. You know, that's what it reminds me of. <laughs> yeah. This uh, reminds me of, uh, it reminds me of Christmas, but not because of any kind of Christmas flavors. Yeah. It reminds me of Christmas because I remember with my family drinking uh, port wine after Christmas dinner, we had a glass of port wine and it has, and I'm pretty sure it's finished off in like a port wine barrel or something like that. Sure. It says on the label. I don't know. I haven't done research. I'm not like you guys. I'm not that uh, that good with my research of my whiskey, but it does remind me of like Neither a port wine taste. We it's make up half the shit we say. So. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Half, you know, half of the shit we, we Google while we're on the podcast. It's yeah. Okay. This reminds me of the time I flew around the world by myself in a solo uh, out air balloon. That's, that's what yeah. it reminds me of. It's also a great way to brag about things, brag about achievements. <laughs> this reminds me of the first Rolex I bought. Which I've never bought a Rolex, but if I, you know, <laughs> oh, I had to sell it to pay my mortgage. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this reminds me of the first time I scaled Everest. Oh, yeah. 
Did you summit? Whiskey I ever had? I think yeah, the summit. Yep. Yeah, I did. Whiskey tastes better on the summit. You know that? That's, I bet it's yeah, because it won't freeze. It's probably the only has thing to do you with drink the air too. quality and the thin of the oxygen. Really brings out the flavor. I'm sure it brings all the alcohol too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so right, that's enough. That's enough whiskey lies from me. Yeah, it's um, yeah. We'll transition into um, camera first. So okay, we were chatting. I've been listening to your podcast, and um, you guys always talk about cameras. Yes, we do. And I think it's an important thing because a lot of people think that they have to buy like the craziest, most expensive thing. And then your l- recent lesson that you learned is you you bought. Was it the Nikon? Whatever. And then like two weeks later, it was $500 cheaper. Yeah, it was the Z5. So it's, I'm still upset about that. So thanks for bringing that up. Well, it was an important... <laughs> my The lesson learned there is that you don't need to buy the camera that came out today. Like no. you, The camera that came out last year is damn good. Damn good. Especially no, mirrorless. You don't got to worry about the mirrors flopping around. Yeah. You know what's funny is like that... I've been... So I, I you know... Being around technology, went to college for that kind of stuff. Uh, I worked when I was in uh, my first couple of years in college. I worked at Circuit City, so I was um, very in tune with the fact that technology comes and and is is quick it is, as as it is brand new. You know, it's old a few weeks later. And as much as I know that, I still find myself making do have, falling in that same trap where I'll, I'll buy something and then it's replaced, and then, and then I get upset. Yeah, but you know, it, I usually, but in reality, that I don't mean to interrupt. But in reality, it's yeah. not. It's not that much different most of the time. Yeah, and honestly, I always try to buy whatever tech I'm buying, whether it be my stuff I put in my computer or you know any kind of tech. Yeah. Even if I'm buying like a TV, I want it to last minimum five years. That's my goal. If it's not going to last me five years, I'm not going to buy it. Sure. Because I don't want to upgrade anything within five years. If it can't last that long, it's not worth the money. That's a good rule. So yeah, you- that's always been my rule. If we were going to, if people were wondering what, like, I want to get into photography, like what's a good starter camera for them to go out that they could get for under a grand? Under a grand, uh, Nikon D3500, and you'd have plenty of money left over for some lenses. That's what we had. There you go. That was was our first camera. That was your first camera. I love that camera. I love that camera. Yep. I think it's like during the holidays, during the holidays at like Sam's Club and Costco, they sell it, I think in like a bundle Uh, because I think they still make it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. They it, still they still got it. Sure. And it comes with a, in a bundle with like a maybe one or two lenses, a bag, an SD card, blah 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 blah. And it's it's usually well under a thousand dollars. I think for the whole thing. I started with Canons. I've I've had that's right Canons forever. The EOS and um, we ended up switching to Sony because of a lens issue. Renting lenses for Canons was a lot harder, and we ended up renting a lot of Sony bodies uh, when we would film hunts, and the. Uh, a seven. Why is my why am I blanking? A seven three. Yeah. Yeah. So when that came out, it was mirrorless. It was small. It could do all the things we wanted to do. It has the ability. It has the slow motion setting already on it, which films mine set up for little whiskey whitetails trip. The only thing that I don't do is change the settings on my camera all the time. So if you see something in cinematic view, which people that I mean, if you think about a cinematic shot. Anything I have in cinematic, I filled it in slow motion because I've never changed the settings. (laughs) But it's nice to be able to switch back and forth. It's just sometimes the transition from full color to cinematic doesn't really. Does cinematic just change the frame, the frame rate? 
Tom could probably explain it better, but it makes it more of a um, a light. It's like you're wearing light sunglasses. Oh, okay. Like maybe ten percent yeah. window. It, uh, it takes away or the um, true black in the photo, so it's kind I of see. film and faded. Okay, so I'm thinking of something different. So my college roommate, shout out to Dustin if he's listening, was a a, a film major, mm-hmm. and so he would explain uh, like why, for instance, television looks different than movies because they're filmed at different, um, I guess, frames per second or whatever. And yeah. that, that's why movies have a certain feel and quality to their to that video versus television sometimes seems crisper. Uh, not that not that movies aren't crisp. It's just it's just a different feel. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it, but it looks different. Yeah. yeah. So it's all about frame rate. So for lenses, for our photography, we, we shoot very not zoomable fixed, you know, I, I wish I had written down the lens we have. You probably know what it is. Um, but when you shoot these long distance shots, I mean, you're shooting pretty good distance. Oh yeah. So lenses that aren't Sony lenses that aren't Canon or Nikon lenses, there's other companies that make lenses. And from what I was listening to, you were saying that you can actually buy these other companies lenses and they usually work pretty well. Yeah, the two big ones right now are Tamron and uh, Sigma. Those Sigma. are the two two big ones that are third party lenses. They make lenses for Nikon, for Canon, for Sony, and they're all good. Like Tamron, I my my zoom lens is the Tamron, and it it would cost me probably around a thousand dollars when I got it because they ran a sale. Which is super cheap for a zoom lens. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for six hundred millimeters, absolutely. Yeah. That's ridiculously cheap for yeah. that much range, and uh, it. It performs great. I mean, look, you're looking at the pictures that come out great. Some of them are handheld. The thing is fantastic. Yeah, the G Masters we have are, I mean, like, our, like, F, F0 lens was, what was it, like, $1,800? Yeah, something yeah. Silly. Yeah. And then That's our expensive. zoom lenses, they can get up to six, seven grand with the handheld, the G Masters, you know? So yeah. we, we started renting them because it's just, we don't use them that often. Yeah. yeah, I want to film. I want to. I want to. You know, just like anybody, you hunt uh, throughout the year. Obviously, you don't always kill something every time you're in the woods. But at least last year, which was a change for for me, where I usually where we usually hunt, um, I saw deer almost every time I was out there. Uh, so if I had a if I had a camera and a lens, I could have got a lot of. I'm not going to say. Dom Gatto quality whitetail photography or photos. I, I, I believe in you, but I could have tried my best. <laughs> um, I'd like to get something that is like a, a well-rounded sort of long distance that, that I can use um, and carry into the woods along with my bow or, or rifle and be confident that I'll be able to get some decent shots. So as someone that's never done that, Gus, explain to him why he, he'll try and do it once or twice, but he'll never do it again. What, as far as carrying all the gear into the, yeah, into the woods? Yeah. All, all I yeah. want is the camera and a lens. I'm not talking about, like, filming uh, video. Well, Dom always says he, you, you, you say like I never, yeah, I don't, I don't do that. I can't do that. I've tried to do that. I don't do that. So you either you, you either go out to, to capture content or you go out to hunt, but never both? Yeah, I'm either shooting something or I'm shooting something. It just depends what's okay, in hand. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I, can't, I can't manage... Because you gotta think, if I'm bringing out the camera with the camera and the tr- and the uh, lens alone, it's probably about 
I don't know, another 10, 12 pounds plus all the, I'll bring extra gear with me for the camera and the bag. Yeah. So you're thinking an extra 15 pounds of gear plus your tripod. Now you're up to about another 20 pounds of gear on your back plus your gun or your bow plus all your other gear that you bring out there hunting with you and your rucket all the way out there and you can't make any noise if you're moving around. And the worst part of all, I'm hunting from a stand. Those pictures are going to suck. Yeah. All right, I, fine. Then no. I just, fine. I won't take fucking pictures then. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what though. Um, next year in April, uh, right now there's like a 90% possibility I'm going out to do a, a turkey hunt in Nebraska. Cool. And I think that's going to be the first time I do uh, hunt and photography and film at the same time. Yeah. I think I can make that happen there. So I've done, I've self-filmed turkey hunts. Um, mm-hmm. Not very well, but yeah, I mean, carrying a shotgun plus a vest and decoys and a camera and a tripod, is, it's certainly not fun. No. It's not. Why well, don't do it? <laughs> do you think sucks. That, do you have to have a tripod because of your long distance shots? Is that the main reason? I like to. I don't have to. There's vibration control on the lens, and for the most part, I'm pretty steady. Um, I'm not a weak man. I can I can hold the camera up for quite a while, fully zoomed out, and still be okay. But I'm running the risk if I'm taking those shots at a lower shutter speed, especially early in the morning, where I got to drop the shutter speed to like one 200 even like one 100 and i'm already worried about motion if i drop it that low i'm never gonna get a steady shot on a tripod yeah you low need, light you need it. low yeah. light you definitely have to have a tripod yeah and a very and this still lens, subject this lens aperture at full zoom is 6.3 and for people who don't really? know what that means yeah that means not a lot of light is being let in at full zoom so one 100th of a second at aperture of 6.3 is dark so it's like you got to have a tripod to keep it that low and yeah. bump your ISO up and then worry about the grain later. Yeah, edit the grain post. Yeah. Which is my least favorite thing to do. That's why I, I could never a bunch of money in lights. Yeah, I, I could never lie to people and tell them like, no, I don't edit any of my photos. I edit every single one of them. Yeah, you have to. You <laughs> every have to. single one of them. The days of no filter are gone. <laughs> At this point, it's a it's a joke. Hashtag no filter just means it's a pretty, it's a pretty, like I still put a filter on it. Yeah. People get angry about that. You know that? What? People get angry. I've had uh, messages before about people saying like, uh, you know, that's not the real photograph. I'm like, no, the real photograph sucked. Yeah. (laughs) It looked terrible. They always do. (laughs) That's like your presets. The reason we sell presets is because you sell them. And it's, it's like when I first, I was like, you know, I've never really made presets. I slowly edit every photo. I started making presets and it cuts my editing time in half. Oh yeah, it's the only way I can keep up. Yeah, but I start you, you put them up for sale, and it's like there's no way. What's crazy? What's good about them is if someone buys your preset and they're like, "Hey, these made my picture suck." It's like, well, it's because your picture sucks. It's not because of the presets. <laughs> so I always have the out. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what. I have sold a lot of those, and I have not never received one complaint yet. I haven't either. We haven't sold a lot, but we have sold some, and uh, no one's ever said anything. That's all. I saw your presets. They're pretty. They're pretty awesome. Yeah, they work. You know, yeah. they're really good for indoor whiskey bottles. Like, I, if some of the shots outside, I, you got to do a little bit more to them. But they they definitely work for indoor whiskey bottles. And and I name them things like whiskey bottle or <laughs> cinematic or like the black and white one is not that great. But black and white is really hard to do correctly in any photo. It is ninety percent of black and white is the photo itself. Right. That's right. why I see everyone selling like full on black and white presets, like a pack of 20 black and white presets. I'm like, that's not going to work. Yeah. That's there may be matter. one in there that works yeah, yeah. one time out of 50 yeah. pictures. That's <laughs> a big reason I never made any. Yeah. I'm probably going to, the next pack we do, I'm going to, I'm going to 
do a full color. Yeah. It looks one or two black and white in, the, in a pack is good. It's good to have the variety, especially if you tweaked it enough that it's going to work with each one. But I'm talking about the guys who sell like a whole box of them. You're like, eh, why? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. With, yeah. with the presets, like you, you expect them to need to tweak a little bit, but it'll get you 99% yeah. of the way there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every, I mean, every photo is different. The lighting's going to be different. They're going to have to... The most that people are going to have to do, and I usually tell people this too when they buy them, if they message me afterwards or if I reach out to them and say thank you, uh, I'll always tell them when you throw it on, adjust your exposure, yep. adjust your temperature, and, yep. and you'll be good. That's all you got to do, and it'll it'll come together. And Because uh, some people have messaged me and been like, hey, it made my photo look really blue. I'm like, adjust your temperature, please. Yep. Just, just the slider. <laughs> it's that way. You're good. <laughs> I should I should make you a meme in return for your meme yesterday. <laughs> you like that meme, right? <laughs> I, I screenshot because I was, I was definitely not driving and texting, but I was driving and texting, so I screenshot <laughs> it, and I sent it to my wife. And she, like, I know my wife very well. I've been married 12 years. So when she responds to something that's funny, it'll be like, ha, ha, that's funny. You know, she said, <laughs> ha, 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 OMG, that's great. That's what. <laughs> so I know she truly enjoyed it. And I sent it to Gus, and Gus was like, uh, put that on our social media right now. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely laughed out loud. It was, uh, it was very, very relevant and, uh, well-timed because I don't know. I, Matt gets it's every almost day. all of them. And most of them come from Etsy. Etsy um, very dumb, rarely dumbest people. On I Etsy. very rarely get them from Shopify shoppers. And I think it's because I, I think they're people who are on Shopify that maybe it's the way the website is set up. They're, they're paying more attention to the description. Yeah. I think Etsy um, is a little more, I don't know how to describe it, but uh, it, they seem to be mostly the Etsy buyers that, that like have an issue with it. But <clears throat> I'll read one. It says it's a picture of it with her pulling the trigger back, proving that the trigger's back. Oh, good for her. Yeah. And so it says <laughs> issue damaged or defective item. Ideal resolution. Replace my torch. The torch does not work. I would like a replacement. Thank you. And I said, Thanks for reaching out. Did you put butane in it? This is a common question, so no worries. We stated in the beginning, middle, and the end of our listing that the torch has no butane in as we cannot legally ship flammable gases. We understand people are busy and don't read the listings fully, so if you have any idea on how we can better explain it, we're all ears. Butane can be bought on Amazon or any corner store that ha should have a can of it up by the register. <laughs> Thanks for reaching out. Also, you can check out the QR code on the thank you card if you have any questions on how to fill the torch as the instructions are located there. So she says, super embarrassing. Aggressive response. <laughs> super embarrassing. I apologize for the bother. Thank you for the quick response. Yeah. Matt, Matt has mastered the art <laughs> yeah. of super passive aggressive politeness. Yeah. Um, it's really yeah. funny. You just be a dick a little bit. And then you ask, you, how can I make this more obvious? Because I thought it was pretty well, obvious. People either respond like that. Like, I'm sorry. You're right. My bad, or they just don't respond at all. Yeah, they won't because respond. they're legitimately embarrassed. Or they'll go leave a negative review. And if you want to have a good time, go to our Etsy store and just filter by negative reviews and see my response. There's only two. Fil read my response to those <laughs> negative. I, I like I always end it with "There's always that one person," you know. <laughs> <laughs> I had one guy message me. He bought a um, he bought a frame, a sixteen by twenty frame print, right? And then he messaged me a couple days later and he goes, Hey, I got to return this. I'm like, uh, all right, is it damaged? What happened? Because whatever, I'll return it for you. What, what do you need? How can I replace it? And he goes, no, it's not big enough. I'm like 
it's 16 by 20. It's what you ordered, right? He goes, yeah, it's not big enough. I go, all right, it's not my fault. No, not, I'm not returning that now. You just said yeah. you ordered the size. You agreed to the size. Yeah, this isn't like, Walmart, right? Like, no. You don't just like, purposely yeah. and deliberately order ex- or, or buy exactly what you're buying and then decide, yeah. Yeah, I don't like this. Now fit. I'm going to bring it back. Yeah. No. So no, you told him no. Yeah, I told him no. Yeah, why, why yeah. wouldn't you? Because <laughs> I, I even explained to it too. I go, did you, you ordered 16 by 20. We hopped on the phone. I kind of like, I was, I thought there was a break in the communication here. I'm like, so you ordered 16 by 20. He goes, yeah. I go, you understand 16 by 20 is 16 inches by 20 inches. And he goes, yeah. I go, what size did you need? He goes, well, now I'm thinking I want like a, a 30 by 40. I go, that's great. Uh, do you want to order a 30 by 40? He's like, no, I'm just, I just want to give this one back. I'm like, then no. I go, yeah. if you want to order a 30 by 40 for me, I'll eat the cost of returning the 16 by 20. I have to sit on until I could sell it again. But if you're not even looking at that, you're just looking to give it back, then no, you're, you're out of luck, dude. No. That's not happening. It was a custom order. It was signed. It's not happening. No. It's a custom order and signed. You want to give it yes. back? Custom ordered, serial numbered, and signed. I wonder how old that guy was. I don't know. That he sounds like some kinda, shit some 21-year-old millennial yeah, would do. He, he sounded young. <laughs> how old are you? Stupid. Sorry. I'm 32. Okay. Whew. He's an adult. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> His prefrontal Dude, cortex has formed. I saw I saw a meme today, and it blew my mind. It said that kids today talking about the '90s is the same as us in the '90s talking about people in the '60s. Oh God! Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Except that hurts my feelings. We, the, I think the '90s was the best era. But I, but they, but then your dad, you know, the seventies was a booster, yeah, and my grandpa the fifties was, but you know, everybody thinks that they're. Uh, we definitely had the best music, no doubt. The, the music best, that came out in the nineties, early two thousands, and the best Jinko jeans. Yeah, I had black Jinko jeans that I wore at least three <laughs> times a week. All right, what was your favorite band from the nineties? Oh, that's a hard <sighs> question. Jeez, dude, as I lay dying. Yeah, I grew up like I I was big into corn and. And metal in the in the nineties, so we used to uh, go to concerts all the time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It was a good time. What was your favorite? Oh, after you say corn, you're not gonna like my answer. <laughs> no. the, the they're, they're, not that, they're not that bad. No, I was more uh favorite band from the nice was Blink One Eighty Two. Oh yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Take off your pants yeah. and jacket, like bro. It's a great Absolutely. it's a great album. Yeah, great like album. I, I I am more I'm one of those people who uh, from a young age it I I blame it on my parents and just the way I was raised, uh, I, I did not really discriminate in music. You could find me listening to, you know, from an early age to just about any genre. And so I grew up liking just about everything. Um, yeah. It really just depends on my mood. Sometimes I'm, when I'm working on stuff in the, in the shop, it's, it's country music or it's, it's rock, you know, uh, sometimes that I'm, I'll listen to, classical when i'm studying or working it really just depends on what i'm doing i, yeah. don't, I don't discriminate at all i screwed up as la dying came out in the uh in the year 2000 so it's pretty damn close but they were probably practicing in the 90s so you're yeah, still yeah. good bands <laughs> like that <laughs> like not nirvana old enough but like Soundgarden, lamb of god yeah yeah lamb of, uh tool you know um tool love tool i was all into all that stuff yeah i was listening to 90s hip-hop 90s hip-hop is the best hip-hop yeah it's good hip-hop there were some good songs in the early 2000s when Eminem was really... Without a question, 90s country yeah, and late 80s country is, sure. real, is hard to beat. It became country pop is what it became after like yeah. 2010. Did you listen to one genre or you listen to all kinds of stuff? I mean, I was more into, you know, I didn't go into like the full-on 90s emo phase that a lot of people did. 
wasn't for me. Yeah. Like I kind of kept it in like the pop punk Blink-182 kind of stuff or something heavier. So like you skateboard and stuff? No, I didn't skateboard. Did no. you wear a mascara? I, uh, only once. And I would, <laughs> did not enjoy it. Um, I I used to, here, here's the one, a very embarrassing fact about my childhood. I used to rollerblade, like in, like not Dude. rollerblade, rollerblade, like inline skate so rollerblade. Did we. Oh, so did you? Do we, yeah. Embarrassing. Dude, no. What? Embarrassing. I'd rollerblade today. I saw some kids uh, like two days don't, ago don't skating. Don't do that to yourself. What? Dude, rollerblades were the shit. Did you have soap shoes? Do you remember those? Soap shoes. So, so they were like. Like uh, grease them? They were like vans, but in the middle, oh, they had no, this plastic a... cup that you could grind on like bleachers in the gym <laughs> and stuff. Rem- I remember those. Those were the shit. I had several <laughs> pair. No, I had a pair. What were those? K2s? Yeah. Everybody yeah, wore Yeah. Yeah, I'd wear K twos today if if they still made. <laughs> no, I look back on it because I used to. I mean, look, I wasn't full on mascara, but I had the big baggy black jeans with the K twos riding down to whatever local skate park there was. Yeah, man, thinking yeah, I was dude. thinking I was hot shit. Well, yeah. We, were, we no. did the same thing. We were hot shit. Yeah. I'm just a I'm just a fat old man now. <laughs> I took a fall same. on a half pipe once, knocked the wind out of me, and I, that's when I decided to want to skate skate anymore. I, I thought want, I was dying. I didn't get that big into skating. <laughs> Yeah, I, I skated. To. I skated, and then um, no, I'm good. I had a uh, All right, hold on. Uh, bottle killed. Bottles All killed. Right. Bottles killed. All right, congratulations. Sorry. Appreciate it. Yeah, no. So I picked I, my first set of rollerblades. Um, yeah, I just it was like I took it was like a fish to water, and I ended up with a hockey stick in my hand. And fast forward twenty something years. And with the exception of the last kind of year and a half and a couple of years in college, I've played hockey ever since. I cool. Roller hockey, then transitioned to ice hockey, all because of rollerblades. As a kid, we I used to go to his hockey games. Like we we pack up the van and and oh, drive shit, to yeah, wherever he I, was. Yeah. Well, and and like I had a bunch of games up in uh, like Virginia Beach area. Yeah. Uh, was it Norfolk? Where's what was the bigger city up there? Virginia Beach, Norfolk. Both kind of the same size. Yeah, I guess so. What position did you play? All. It just depended on the team. I was as I got older, I was better at, at forward, so either a wing or a center. Um, defense takes a a different kind of kind of mentality, and it just just wasn't my thing. <laughs> Good for you. Did you play hockey? I did not. Uh, I did when I was like really really young, and I sucked at. It. I was more a football player. Yeah, nice. football's good. Yeah, yeah. I was a running back. Uh, I'm just kidding. I was a tackle. Were you? I played yep. front line for a while, but uh wasn't for me either. I was I just far too interested in smoking weed and getting <laughs> like I love to fight. I was just a bad kid. Yeah, well, it happens. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Children. They just threw me on the line. They're like, you get to hit the guy in front of you every single time. I'm like, every single time? <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Sold. That's the mood. Yeah. Then sign me up. So, so you guys want to talk about deer, right? Yeah. So I was yeah. going to say deer, deer season <laughs> is uh, fastly approaching and you, you've been capturing some velvet. Tell us what's I going have. on in the growth and maturity of the white-tailed deer this year. Growth is definitely the word. I got out there. I mean, after the baby was born, I didn't go out for a couple of weeks, well, a couple, like almost two months now, right? So I finally get back out there and I'm like scouting a little bit, not seeing much. I go out another day and I'm like, uh, this seems like good. This is like a honey hole. This is a place where I knew the deer were last year, where I got a lot of good photographs and I got a lot of good areas. And I went through there and I was looking for tracks and I was like, all right, it's they're still here. They're still trodden down, nice. So I sat, I waited, and two bucks came out. 
and both of these bucks had some ridiculous early on season growth. I couldn't believe how much they had on already. Yeah, Usually they don't get uh, those are the ones you posted this week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's early June, uh, and usually they don't start really getting that big until like July, maybe August. You start to see full full growth coming in, but they were looking good. So I'm happy about that. Maybe you got some booners on your hand, man. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. I don't know if I'm going to bring the camera out for one of them. I think he's going to go. <laughs> got to yeah. do something. Congrats, by the way. You mentioned the baby. Oh, Since the last time you. we we had you on, you uh, you welcomed uh, a little one into the world. So congratulations. Thank you. I'm a daddy now. Yeah. Daddy. I can't wait to take him out in the woods. Soak it up, man. It goes by fast. That's what everyone keeps telling me, but it's been going by extremely slow so far. It it, it will to start, man, because you're, you're sleep deprived and uh, it, oh, yeah. there's not a whole lot of room for anything else. But uh, you'll blink a couple times and there'll be four or five. And, yeah. I could Enjoy probably it. fall asleep right now. I could probably <laughs> pass out right now to just listening to the sweet sounds of your guys' voice. I'll, I'll just treat this like I'm listening to any of your podcasts and just be out cold uh, for like a half an hour. <laughs> We definitely don't want to put people to sleep. Yeah. I haven't told that we, our voices are buttery, and I don't know what no, buttery they're so, they're means. Soothing. They're soothing. Someone said our voices are buttery? Yeah. All right. Welcome <laughs> to the podcast. Maybe, maybe we need to do, uh, maybe we need to submit some uh, some story readings to that, that app Calm that people listen to, to meditate or to put themselves to sleep. <laughs> Just read some stories. I don't want to be known as the guy that puts people to sleep. That would be terrible. I'm people just are saying, paying I for it, not for people to sleep all day. <laughs> I think you could do it. I don't want to. You guys have the voices for it. You could do any kind of like book readings and stuff. You'd be pretty good at it. <laughs> okay. Buttery is a good word for it. Voice actor. Seriously. Uh, all right. So these white-tailed deer. <laughs> so because I don't ever see them this early in growth, it the it's crazy looking at them right now because I don't know that I've paid attention to it. Let me start over. I don't know that I've paid attention to them this much. What's wrong with my mm-hmm. voice? It must be the way I'm sitting. It's buttery. It's buttery. <laughs> the um, They look extremely thicker because you always see them after they've already lost the velvet, but this, for, I don't know if the early velvet is thicker than the later velvet. Do you it know? Is. It, is. Yeah, it is. Because yeah, they look, you look thick, at, uh, boy. Yeah. They're not going to be that big. Like it's very deceiving because when the top of that velvet's growing, it comes out like a lot bigger. And then as it grows up, it kind of thins out. And like when they sock. shed it, yeah, pretty much. It's like a bunched up sock, yeah. Yeah, it's a good way to think a about better it. analogy. Though. I haven't had the opportunity to see a lot of deer, like on the hoof in person. It's still in velvet. Down here, in a lot of places, when the season opens, it's rifle season, and the orange army is out in full force. So it's still velvet. You know, deer still in, in full velvet in August, but the pressure goes up immediately. Yeah. Um, public land's a little different. I think. I don't think. Season starts. They open a little later here, and then it's later, black, but, black rifle. Yeah. But even then, people don't give a shit about the guy coming in after them. Right. Yeah. So they just make a bunch of noise on the last day coming out, and it, it kind of screws things up. Uh, the one thing I want to really get this year is, and I've never got a picture of this. I've never actually seen this out there, is getting a uh, a buck of shit in its velvet. Oh, I'm you, dying to get that. You, yeah, you'll. I'm sure you'll find. If you're out there, and I mean, I'm sure. What's the timeline in New York? For for when that is, it's hard to say. It's probably going to be like, I want to call it late August, early September, maybe even a little earlier. Yeah, I mean, it's like like that's pretty. It's a big window. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a big window, and um, I got to ask around see if anyone around here has ever seen, you know, 
that happening and what time of the year is best for it. Cause I've never actually gone out looking directly for it, but that's something I really want to get. I think it's one of the things you'll have to go out there every day for like a week. I mean, I've done it before, whatever. Because I, I know that we've seen them on camera <laughs> yeah. kind of shedding and then two days later they're clean. Oh yeah. It's quick. That's why it's like so hard to get. I mean, yeah. you'll see a lot of the guys who have like a high rents, high fence ranches doing that kind of stuff where they get the, shedding bucks but if you get one on public land or a wild one that is uh that's a trophy picture you know yeah i'm looking for sure that's another thing that you said in your podcast you're talking about that some people take the easy route and and they know that this for instance we know a place where a hawk nests every year so there's always people there taking pictures of it whereas true wildlife photography is catching the thing that no one else is going to catch because everybody has a picture of that hawk in that nest yeah Nobody has a picture of that deer doing that shed on public land. It's just because mm-hmm. you don't see a lot of them. And when you do, it seems, I remember last year one came out and it like popped off. I mean, it was, it was everywhere. I saw it 20 times a day. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. was resharing it because it was such an awesome picture. Yeah. It, it's one of those once in a lifetime kind of things that I'm fully prepared to not get it this year. Even if I go out there every day looking and i scout from now until then i'm fully prepared to miss it because you don't know when it's going to happen i think it's best to be prepared to miss it but i also believe in you and i think you can get it you can do it yes <laughs> yeah <clears throat> so outside yeah, of that so, it'll be good you got um one buck that you're going to try and chase down so how much do you think the hunting season is normally split between pictures and trying to shoot uh, a couple of years ago, I would have told you it was until the freezer was full pretty much before I take the camera out. But now that I'm actually doing business with it, I don't know. I, I, I got to make that judgment call because now I have, I got licenses to fill. I have contracts to fill and uh, it's coming to a point now where it's becoming like more and more of a job. Yeah. Not that I don't enjoy it, but now I have obligations. Sure. You know, there, there's certain companies I'm working with that, need certain photographs uh in certain settings especially in the summertime and uh, before the fall comes in that's something i don't have a lot of i have a lot of things in the fall from last year that are you know quality enough but they want things in like food plots in the late summer before the leaves start to change and that's something that if i can't hunt then i can't hunt it is what it is yeah you know so i don't know what's the what's the what are the temperatures there in new york right now where you're at Right now, it's uh, it's not that bad. It's like 80 degrees right now. Okay. It was hotter a couple weeks ago. Then it's kind of went down again. We're like in a little in-between stage. When does the season start up there for you? Uh, I think it's around September. I don't know the exact date. Okay, so it's not too much too much later than us. Yeah, I actually sh- I should know that off the top of my head, right? No. <laughs> the only reason we know go- here is because we have the earliest season in the country. So I'm pretty we, sure it's the earliest season. We know our day. I'll go 15th. walking out the wrong day, game world, Simon, what are you doing? It's opening day. No, it isn't. <laughs> That's one. So, have you ever been out taking pictures and uh, like you do a little blind here and there? Or no. Yeah. Oh so yeah. You, I have a little little uh, half hide. Has anyone ever come up to you and been like, "Hey, it's not hunting season"? I've gotten some dirty looks, but nobody's ever I've, said I, no. No one's ever really said anything to me. But I, I'm also very ill-equipped in the sense that I'm walking around with a camera that doesn't have like a lens coat on it. Uh, so the camera is all black and I'm wearing full head to toe camo so I can walk around the woods. And if anyone sees me, they're like immediately calling the game warden. But the game warden's never come out. 
No, I, mean, I had a run with, I had a run with them <laughs> once, and uh, they showed up and were like, "Hey, uh, what are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, I photographer. Here's my, you know, four thousand dollars worth of equipment to prove it, and I don't yeah. have a gun on me." So, yeah. Well, that's you, good. Have you thought about yeah, asking Gay Mortons where to go to uh, take pictures? They won't tell me. I already asked. Really? Yeah, they won't tell me. They don't want me pressuring the herds. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. He's. I asked him because I was like, oh, you know what's going on here. He goes, no. I'm like, why not? He's like, if you sit out there and you keep going to these places, you're going to pressure the herds. It's going to make it hard for everyone else who's haunting. I'm like, all right, that makes fine. Well, so should, what if I was way. coming back with my infant son yeah. and he wants to kill his first deer? <laughs> where should I take him? <laughs> tell him, okay, question redo. I'm going to bring a rifle just one time. Yeah. I'm not going to pressure him. <laughs> now where do I go? <laughs> I bet I bet hunting or uh, wildlife photography spots are more closely guarded than fishing spots or hunting spots. Oh, I'll never tell you. Yeah, that's what I figured. I'll never tell you. I figured that they were like no one will ever know. No, I, I have some spots that are not hunted because of how deep they're in and how hard it is to get there and how much of like a trek and a pissed off run through the ugh, it's like a huge thicket to get to it to where i go yeah it's so like my like that one honey hole i was telling you about yeah i know there's gonna be deer there if i sit there for three days i'll see him for one like I'll, i'm getting it if i'm going out for three days right right and uh it's just it's perfect between a water source between a food source bedding area is not far good cover good wind there usually so it's like you're good i will never tell anybody about <laughs> About yeah. that spot. I turn my phone off out there half the time because I want the GPS picking it up. Well, let me tell you my spot because I, I don't live there anymore. But mm-hmm. guaranteed every night there will be multiple herds of deer here. And uh, that is Yorktown, Virginia, where the battlefields are. Uh-huh. Those battlefields, it's like thousands of acres that you're not even really allowed to walk on. It's outside of you know exposed trails, but there's trails that lead you through all those. We used to walk our dogs through there. And every single time they jump deer, every time. But if you come out there at dusk or dawn, there will be herds of deer. So if you ever take the kid to Bush Gardens in Virginia, mm-hmm. you know, you could leave early morning and go out there before anybody gets up and you can get killer pictures. I mean, there's deer and they're not scared of anything. You walk right because there's they're, them, their grandpas, their grandpas, nobody's ever been killed there. So it's, it's they're not scared of humans at all. You could get killer photos out there and uh, it may be different now, but back then, I never saw photographers out there, ever, ever. I got to go out there now. Maybe you think about that. Maybe there's some battlefields near you that you could uh, trek out to easily. Or That's the not a bad idea. I probably, should, I probably should look into that. Yeah, Just there's, saying. There's, um, you, I don't know how, e- you wouldn't very easily be able to get into some of these places, but I've <clears throat> been to some places from facilities that are fenced in. Um mm-hmm. One of them was actually NASA and Houston, and the other was a uh, a naval facility in Maryland. And the deer, similar to that, have never been hunted on the on that property. So no, g- generations okay. of deer have been born and Safe. lived on that on in on that property. Yeah, and I'm talking like eight to ten point. You yeah, know, all 10 points several all inches time. outside the ears, huge deer, and they're just they're just walking through, you know, fifteen feet from you, eating the grass, totally unfazed by anybody's presence. I'm just laying down in the middle of, you know, next, you know, fifteen feet off the sidewalk. It's wild. And that may not be something you want to talk about in your podcast, but on this one, where we don't have a lot of photographers, <laughs> here's your upper edge. We we know where the deer be. <laughs> we know where the deer are that we can't kill. It's It'll like be, yeah. Be 
podcast, like episode ten. I went to a to a battlefield last week on on a hunch, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. There's industrial parks too. There's um, that I worked at that I, I got pictures with my cell phone, like close enough that they were clear enough to see you could count the points on a cell phone. Um, oh, that's cool on industrial parks because there's just there's no one there after five thirty six o'clock, and it's just rampant with deer. I would almost feel like that's cheating, though, if I'm putting a picture out of a deer that's on, like, a non-hunted area. I kind of like taking photos of deer that are out on, like, public <laughs> land or semi-private land. Nobody has to you know. know. It's, a, it's a secret. <laughs> Nobody's going to know. <laughs> like, you, the place you won't tell me about now, it could be uh, an industrial park. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But how would they know? They won't. You're good. <laughs> Uh, still, you take a picture like someone's uh, is that a taxi cab at the back. No, no, it's a <laughs> it's a bird, <laughs> big bird back there. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, but I don't know. I think walking, uh, like public land or you know low fenced or no fenced private land and getting photos there. There's, there's a sense of accomplishment I like out of that. Yeah, Especially I agree. Nothing. I'm just talking about filling your uh, your quotas. If you need to go, if you get in a bind. Now I have quotas. What's that like? It's stressful, isn't it? I mean, it isn't really because I have a big backlog of stuff. I have like thousands of photographs and maybe, you know, two to 300 of them are are useful for the stuff that the people that want them are using them for. So the thing is, I'm giving them, you know, all things combined a a lot. And look, the price is right. The money's good. So I'm going to agree to it and figure it out. If I can't deliver, I can't deliver. I don't get paid. So that that's always kind of hanging over your head. Yeah. And that's also a reason you probably shouldn't agree to something before, uh, you know, you have the product in hand, but I'm confident in my ability. So, and I have a, I have a two year span to gather something that's good enough. I think you can do it. And I think I can. I wouldn't I, take it on unless I thought I could do it. It's like from how many followers you have when we, when we first started talking. Uh, I don't know, but I started the journey here in October. So eight months, I got 10,000. Yeah. So we, I could go back and look when we started reposting your stuff, but like the day I saw it, I saw a couple more and then I scoped your Instagram and and then I reached out and I was like, Hey, do you care if I repost? I've, I've believed in you since the beginning. So it's no surprise to me that you're doing well. And I think that you have serious potential here for your shooting style, your values, your hard work ethic, and of course the camera and editing styles. Eventually you're going to be so big and so successful. You're going to outgrow us. And yeah, you'll just leave us in the dirt. We'll look back to the the one time, (laughs) those two times when Dom wasn't too cool to hang out with us. Now you turn into Lance Kruger and he doesn't even answer DMS anymore. (laughs) I was actually talking to Lance today. Were you? Yeah. yeah. Well, he takes some crazy photos, man. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah. I ask him a lot of advice. If if okay. if I is had he, to pick someone to look at for advice, I'd probably that's who I'd pick. So is he forthcoming yeah. with that? Like in in the photography community, you guys? He's very forthcoming with it. He will. He's always answered. Like I messaged him a long time ago, back when I kind of first went down the road, because I had, um, I was looking to jump ten steps ahead and get my stuff published. Sure. Like immediately, right? And so as I researched that a little more, I saw, you know, Lance Kruger, he's a very famous photographer and someone who has been published a million times. Yeah. Let me shoot him a blind DM be like, hey, what do you think about mm-hmm. this? He couldn't have been more forthcoming about uh, all the information and he couldn't have been more forthcoming telling me that everything I was doing was wrong. Yeah. Which was very important. That's very you, straightforward. Sometimes you need that. It would have put me off track on what I'm doing now 
by years. Easily. Wow. Yeah. So, and now I'm doing, you know, licensing deals and selling prints and it's starting to turn really good money my end. And, uh, I thank him for that because had I been pursuing publication, I would have burned myself quick. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, what's yeah, the reason about that? Because I'm, now I'm interested if, mm-hmm. seeking publication for like is faster than what you did it. What's- here's why. Uh, and here's the basic reasoning. Say a magazine wants a photo from you, right? And you say, yeah, you could have it. They pay you the standard rate, whatever it may be. When they call you the next time and say, we need another photo and you don't have it, they're never, never going to call you again. Ah. So that's the end game. That's where you should be looking after you've already gone through all the steps and you have a huge, huge library to back it up. Yeah. And you have all different settings and all different seasons and different states and different deer and different everything. So that when you turn to any of these publishing uh, publishers, any of these magazines or any of these people looking to print your work out there, when they call you and say, hey, do you have a picture of a deer like this, but maybe in the winter? And you go, yeah, here it is. Done. They'll call you every single time. That's how you make a career out of it. That makes sense because yeah. I think about when I look for, um, like if we buy stock footage for anything, and it's like they don't have it. So I have to go out and recreate it. But if I were to yeah. find somebody that had it, and I would go back to them and be like, hey, last time I used you, but do you have And he says no, I'd never call him again. Yeah. Makes sense. It's true. It's true. And uh, I didn't realize that or think about that. And I'm kind of glad I got bit with that early because it was a hard truth when you're all hyped up and everyone's liking your stuff and you think you're that good. And maybe your one photo was that good. doesn't mean all of them are that good. You need all of them to be that good. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, That makes sense because the more people you you lose in the beginning are more people you won't get in the end. Exactly. You burn bridges early on. Yeah. Because they remember you. That's really good advice. Yeah. And I'm, I pass it on because he he's real passionate about preserving um, not so much the business side, but the integrity side of being a photographer at that level. Because if you have a guy who's going to go out there and just throw his photographs, everything, just because he wants them in a magazine, it kind of, you know, disgraces all the hard work everyone else is doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what other advice do you have like that? Um. Post everything on social media. (laughs) That is my biggest advice. Post everything. You never know what's going to blow up. Yep. Yeah. We had that conversation the other day. Um, Matt was talking about, you know, posting photos that in his head were just kind of throwaway photos, you know, weren't anything special, you know, almost didn't post it or thought about posting it a week ago, decided not to, but then, yeah, we need to post something today. So throw something up and it gets all its attention. Oh yeah. yeah, you just you you never know what's going to be the thing that catches everyone's man. Our camera's doing weird stuff, but yeah, you never know what, what what's what's going to be the one. And our and our conversation came from me sending that to him and yeah. going, "Dude, I thought this was a garbage photo. I didn't like it. It was dark in the room. I threw a light bar on it, took a picture, and I was like, maybe this will be a good story post." Yeah, but it was a wide shot, so it wouldn't look good in a story. I didn't have anything to post that day. I threw that picture on there, and it was one of the most successful photos we've ever posted. My best selling photo, like the one I've sold the most prints, the one I've sold the most frames, canvases, you name it. Best selling one was a throwaway photo. Yeah. That's a close encounter. The one with the buck walking right up to me. Yeah. Maybe because I was looking at it so much and I put a lot of work into it and I kept staring at it over and over again. It became almost old in my mind. Yeah. I never really put it out there. I I held on to that photo for like a month. 
I think that's not even thinking about it. I think that holds true with with something like all of us. You know, we all have create. You know, we're creative in different ways. Yeah. I think. Um, you know, I have things that I when I'm making stuff or if, if I'm messing with a prototype of a new product and I've been messing with it for days at a time and I see all the things that are wrong with it uh, and then I bring it to Matt and go, look, this is just kind of a start. He's like, this is fine. Like, this looks really good. And then, but to me, I've been looking at it. It doesn't look good to me. I see all the things that are wrong as as, as creative people. I think we have a tendency to only see the things that are, that we feel are wrong. I think that as creative and I'm going to call all three of us professionals. I think as creative professionals, we have a checklist. And so in my checklist, the rules of third, the rule, you know, the lighting right. has to be right, not grainy, all these things. But I, I think that the average, I th- the things that go viral or the things that people really like, I don't think they think the way we think. And I wish there was a way to take everything that goes viral and go, I see why this did that because of this, but there's not. It's just, it's, if there's no way to explain it. It just it doesn't make sense. Like you post a picture, we all. I mean, the fact that we all say that that we take tell something that's garbage and it blows up. It's like it's. Then it makes you wonder I've, if all the rules we're following even matter. <laughs> yeah, I, I found a couple of trends when it comes to my own photographs. I found a couple of trends of things that are definitely going to do well. Yeah, and one of them is bucks head on. Whether or not broadside, like a buck head on where you get a portrait shot of a buck yeah, right yeah. at you. That's going to do great. Every time. doesn't matter. It's going to do great. People love to see it. And it doesn't matter if it even is like the best photograph ever. I think it's if because most people don't have bucks look at them. And so they're yeah. now looking at a picture of a buck looking at them. Because typically yeah. if a buck's looking at you, you're screwed. That's true. Yeah. That's, so that's probably why it's that really one. not a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, you guys got to remember every time I get one of those photos of a buck looking at me, he's gone three seconds later. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. That was it. Yeah. That was it. Because that's what they do. They see you and they're out. So I think the reason yeah. those take off is because you never see that. You don't see it in real life. You can't capture yeah. that moment in real life. The buck looks at you, you go shit. And then he's gone. And it's, and, and it's, and then you're worried about the doe's blowing, like the whole hunt's ruined. You forget that moment. So I think capturing that moment is something that, as hunters, we just we just don't see it. It may not even just be bucks head on. It might be any deer head on. Because most of the pictures I have a deer head on have always done well. Like I got yeah. that young young uh, buck in the snow, the one that's really close up. He's all fuzzy staring at you. I got the doe who was charging at me. That one did really well. Like there's all the head on shots have always done a real good job. Do you notice for your videos, if you post them certain days of the week, they do better? I've noticed like Monday videos don't do well. If you do it like as a far Sunday as, as morning. As far as like reels? Yeah. Like on a Sunday morning, okay. if I post a video, they seem to do pretty good. Because I think a lot of people are laying in bed and they're just flipping through Instagram. But if you post, you know, Friday night, you post a video, they're out with friends. They're not going to turn the sound on and watch the video. Do you Have you noticed that with your stuff? Weekends are usually better, but I'll tell you, I haven't had time to make any reels. I made a couple over the last couple of weeks. I used to be pumping out like two a week, but I mean, obviously I got a priority shift going on right now. Right. So I had to kind of cut back on certain creative aspects and one of them was video because it takes the most time. So I'd say before that though, it was definitely weekends did great, but during the week it was um, late at night during the week, except for Fridays. Yeah. Yeah, late at night. Huh? That's interesting. Before I forget, yeah, late at night uh, on the whitetail topic because we saw um, we went up to Columbia, South Carolina for something um, was it two weekends ago, a weekend ago. Yeah, something. 
two weekends ago. And on the way back, uh, we saw two different, two different does. Yeah. Probably 45 minutes apart from each other in different geographical areas uh, with two fawns. Both of them each had two fawns. Are you seeing a lot of that right now where you're at? Where I saw did does have dropped fawns of, already? Yeah, I saw a couple of fawns. Uh, nothing close enough to get a photograph of them, fortunately. Okay. I've seen them while driving and stuff like that. Just a, like one or yeah, two yeah, yeah. out there. So they're they're out there. They're definitely dropped by now. Do you, do you see... Um, and yeah, they definitely dropped by now. I guess my question yeah. was was more about uh, two. Like, do you? Because we talked about that. Do yeah, you primarily see does with two fawns, or is it which do you see more often, a single or, or two? I wouldn't say primarily two. I have seen two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I have uh, photographs last winter of two yearlings, you know, playing okay. around with each other. So yeah, yeah. I've definitely seen two. Um, I wouldn't say primarily. Usually, it's just one. The okay. argument I post, I because I've read it somewhere, was that in a non-stressed out doe that she will make two for every litter. And then in a high pressure area, somewhere where that's not safe, she'll only drop one because she doesn't think she can maintain two. That was the, that's what I've read that their body just does that. Do you think there's any truth to that? I have no idea. I couldn't even tell. I can't even comment on that. I have no clue. Oh, but you know, you just reminded me of our last podcast. Yeah. We spoke about deer, mature deer, young deer, watching, yeah. looking out for people, right? Yeah. Yep. And I always kept that in the back of my mind. Tell and me. I, I didn't want. I didn't want to talk about it with you guys until we were on another episode. Okay. Cool. Do so it. Since then, well, let's going let's, out, let's, let's let's preface in case somebody heard. Recap. Yeah. Okay, recap. recap. Go ahead. You, you you want me? You recap. No, you recap. You okay. have your voice. It's all buttery. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> all right, ladies. So <laughs> last time on the podcast, we talked about um, deer being sketched out or not sketched out. And it seems, in my experience, it seems like the younger deer are not that sketched out. The older deer, they seem pretty sketched out. Um, and they're just, am I explaining it right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. And it's, it's so it's, I, I wonder, I, the question I ask is, is it easier to get pictures of younger deer because they don't run away quicker? Whereas oh. older bucks, yeah, they well, tip out. Specifically, I think what it was, was he had a lot of, uh, he noticed and had oh, photographs yeah. of, young deer looking directly at him yes and mature bucks seemingly being aware of his presence but not looking directly yes. at him and our hypothesis was that the mature bucks are being aware of their surroundings but not giving away that giving away you. that they're aware of the yeah, danger yeah. for fear that you know Tipping off whatever that potential danger may be may yeah. expedite any attack. Yeah, that's or what it was. Like that. they, they want they want the predator to make the first move. That kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, that yeah, that okay. was the thought. Okay, so since then, all right, which was a while ago now. Ever even during the last season, going out, watching the deer, always had in the back of my head because I didn't know whether or not it was a fact that maybe I was just capturing that moment. Yeah. Maybe it was you know maybe it's not a common thing. And that's so where the question watching. came from is because yeah. that was my impression off of your Instagram. Yeah. So I what I observed, all right, and this is, again, limited study, no science behind this, just straight <laughs> observations. The more mature the deer, the less they were looking at me. Really? Like straight on. They were always walking by, and if they would stop, especially doe, if doe would start stomping, they would keep looking straight ahead, but I could see them side-eyeing me. They would look at you with their eyeballs. And I would notice that right away as I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm thinking, Madden Gus, holy so shit. My so my hypothesis <laughs> was correct. So you, in my case, it was correct yeah. so far. Yeah. So, so you did feel in those instances like they were aware of your presence, but they would not explicitly like 
They wouldn't turn their head. To yeah, you. like they yeah. they weren't. And it was it was only in situations where I knew they hadn't winded me because the wind was like in my face. Yeah. And I knew I hadn't moved and I hadn't made any sound, anything like that. And they were walking out, but you could tell they would kind of do like a little quick trot and stop, like yep. a little kind of scared trot. They can just and feel you. They would start, whatever it may be. I mean, look, their noses are great. Maybe they did smell me a little bit. They got a little whiff of something. They sure. just thought something was up. But the more mature deer would keep looking ahead and kind of like side eye, move their heads over a little bit. But they would look and see me. And the second they did, they were gone without ever looking straight at me. You heard the it young first, deer, folks. Yeah, the young deer would have their heads on a swivel, ears all over the place looking around. And the second they spot me, they kind of like start a little bit. Maybe they'd run. Maybe they'd try to figure it out. But then they would go. But the more mature deer are much more skittish in the sense that they would be not turning all the way, letting me know that they knew I was there. So has that changed your shooting style at all? No, not at all. Has it? No. Have you come up with a hypothesis on why they're doing it? You think I mean, it's, it's the same same one I had before. I think it's just I don't know so much of it's experience or the, that's what has kept them alive. You yeah. know, so I don't know if it's like a learned trait or it's just one they had inherently so that they survive longer because of it unknowingly, just because that's how they are. And I don't know enough about deer biology or deer behavior to really give a accurate statement passed on what I've observed personally. But um, I will say that it, it was crazy really watching them for that long. And I'm really glad we ha- we came back to this because I've been wanting to tell you about this for so long, but I didn't want to ruin it. So, well, I'm glad so, you told us. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you reminded me. I was about to go through this whole podcast and not remember and to forget. tell you. It just sucked. <laughs> well, I'm glad we answered that. That should have been how we opened was answering the question from last time. Yeah, well, we oh, got well. there. It's okay. Yeah. I'm glad we did because I would have been very upset if we didn't. I'll try to fi- I'll try and, and use a piece of that as the, as the opener so that it'll yeah. hook people in. People know that we're answering that question. Yeah. It's very important. Interesting. Have you learned anything else since the last podcast? Uh, I mean, I've been, you get better every time you go out there, you get a little better. The more experience you have, the more you track, the more you look for, you know, rub lines and stuff like that, the more you'll figure things out. But I found that um, tracking deer in the off season is a lot easier. Maybe they're less pressured. It's a lot easier. When I went out there in a, uh, a couple of weeks ago, it seemed like they were less skittish when uh, I saw a couple of them step out and they came out to points where the wind was coming almost at them. And I was like, Oh, there's no way they're coming closer. And they did. Yeah. Which is why maybe they're just forgetting that hunters even exist at this point. I don't know. So I'm but, convinced that they know when yeah. deer season starts. New hypothesis. Have, the day before they hold like town city meetings, a council meeting. Yeah. And they're like, all right, folks, you know, tomorrow, is the start of the 2021 deer season. Tom in the back, <laughs> listen up, please. They blow their little conch shell. <laughs> they make the announcement, and then the next day, they change protocol. I, I, turkeys are the same freaking way. So here's my actual hypothesis on this. Okay. I think, so I'm a firm believer of the rut is determined by the length of daylight. I think once daylight starts getting lower or less, that's what triggers the mating season. That way... Their gestation period lines up with spring, and so when the fawns are being dropped, there's food to eat, and mom doesn't have to feed them a bunch, or mom can, you know, breastfeed enough because she's eating. So I, I'm of that hypothesis that that's why the rut starts around the same time everywhere. Um, so here's my thought: is maybe they know that around that time, 
of the rut, or maybe they get a little, they can tell that today is the longest day, or we're getting longer in time, and historically, they have something genetically inside them that tells them this is a dangerous time of the year. So we've lived from darkness through full light and the heat, and now once it starts getting cooler, we know when it starts getting cooler that it's more dangerous for the next, until winter. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's why the early season and the late season is good hunting, but right there in the middle, it's, it's it's usually pretty difficult. I think that some deer lose that during the early season, um, and then that's why you see them more, or during the late season, that's why you see them more during the end. So that's my new, so as you're out there in the woods and you look at it, see if you start noticing they get more skittish leading up to deer season. If you can find well, a way I'm to do it. I'm going to now. Yeah, yeah. I, I could totally observe that now because I'll tell you, there was a, a very particular situation. I'm probably going to post that picture tomorrow um, of a deer in velvet. He just had little little nubs coming up. And uh, he walked at me with wind in his face. And I was like, there is no way he didn't smell me. There's no way. There's no way he can't smell me right Especially now. Especially no New way. York cologne y'all wear. Yeah, I guess so. And a uh, <laughs> little, little cool water. Yeah. But uh, there's no way that this deer could not smell me from where I was sitting and yeah. from where he was walking from. And he came over a little hill, a little crest. And he was just standing there and he's looking around and he looks at me and eventually runs off. I got some pictures of him, but I'm like, like that wouldn't have happened last season when I was out here during the fall. It wouldn't, there's no way. Yeah. So I, I, I want to know if they are not feeling the pressure and that's why they're a little less skittish or, or what up to do some more of my own well, single testing. You've confirmed our first hypothesis and uh, you heard it here first for heard it here first folks. Yeah. Matt has uh, introduced a second hypothesis, and our field correspondent Tom Gatto will be out this this year to validate to validate. Uh, yeah, our New York operative, which <laughs> our local New York correspondent, yeah, is uh, will be checking in in a couple of months to let us know. Which means we have to do another podcast, like. Probably late October, November. Yeah. This is how I lock you guys in. Yeah. Keep me coming back. Keep right. asking uh, for long-term work. Well, because you spend, I mean, just frankly, you spend more time in the woods than we do. Is Absolutely. It, so it's like, I try my best. We're only in the woods when it's, you know, killing season. I mean, really, other than setting stuff up, I don't really go sit in the woods during off season. I just don't. I mean, that's a mistake as a hunter. I probably should be. Well, I don't, I don't know that there's a reason. I mean, you can scout and get an idea of what's going on without sitting in the woods yeah. and use trail cameras. So yeah. unless you're taking and doing the kind of photography you are, there's really no reason to be putting that kind of pressure in the woods. Yeah. I mean, there were, there's a period of where I don't really need to go out there, which is after they shed and after, you know, antlers are down and, you know, a month after that, there's no reason for me to get out there because no one really cares about a photo of a buck with no antlers, with no antlers no true, blood yeah. or anything. It's like, eh. Yeah, fawn really season, I guess, is when it kicks up again. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of why I started getting back out there now. I'm hoping to get some fawns. I, I haven't gotten close to any, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of going to miss that. if I, I'm only going to be able to go out like every couple of weeks now at this point because my schedule has changed so well, much. Well, they keep spots for quite a while. They just, yeah. you know, they won't look as small in photos. Do you know if they birth day or night? I have they no birth idea. it during the day so they can see better. I have no idea. Because that'd be tight to get a birthing photo. Yeah, if you could get oh, a birthing photo that'd for so us, cool. that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be so cool. Yeah, we're gonna contract you, Dom. I got fifteen bucks in my pocket if you can get me a birthing photo. <laughs> Shit, I would have done it for ten. You got it. <laughs> we own all rights. You can't use it for anything. Fifteen dollars in a bottle of. Um... No, he said he was good for ten. 
So I was going to send him a bottle no, of no, fighting no, no, cock. No, no, no. He already oh, offered man. the bottle. It's already on the table. A no, bottle yeah, of fighting it. cock. Yeah. <laughs> Some in. plastic bottle uh, military special. You guys get a uh, bottle. Full, full rights. Full rights. <laughs> we'll let you use it, but you got to pay us every time you sell a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Royalties. Uh, that's funny. So to wrap this up, we have, at this point, this probably won't be released for a month, so... Yeah, who knows? At this point, I think that we can do the product alert. For what? For what we're doing with Don. Oh, yeah. And if not, we'll just cut this part out. That's fine. Let's do it. So... New product alert collaboration with Dom. Is it Dom Vote Dom IW? Dom? Dom.IWC. IWC. Yes, sir. I don't know why. What does IWC stand for? It's a long, embarrassing story. I'll get into it real quick if you want me to. Yeah, why not? Unless you want to do the product alert. Let's do, okay. Let's do it. So when I first started an Instagram account, I want to say like two years ago, the first thing I did was I wanted to make a business selling Lightroom presets. That's what I was good at. Ah. So I always did regular photography work, right? So the name of the company was really stupid. It was Insta-worthy Concepts. Really Whoa. stupid name. Yeah. Didn't go well. Yeah. Sold a couple of presets. Um, wasn't that great. Sunk a lot of money into it. And then I ended up keeping the Instagram account instead of starting a new account. I just changed the name at first to Dom IWC Photography and then Dom IWC. And after it was Dom IWC, it started to blow up to what it is now. And I, there's no way I could change the name. Yeah, now. you can't change it now. No, I can't. I can't. It's too locked into everything I have that it's it's thickened. So well, now we need our IWC. listeners to submit other suggestions to what IWC stands for. Yeah, send and <laughs> okay. we'll read them next time. So send me suggestions on what IWC. You send them to info at palmettopursuit.com. Oh, my God. International wildlife content. Info at whiskeyandwhitetails.com. Did you hear what I just said? No, what did you say? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Because when you said that, we had a company um, that we didn't really enjoy. And we ended up that we making, started, and we we also dumped a lot of money into, and yeah, also learned, did not go very well. <laughs> learned a lot of lessons, and we closed it. Um, yep. And that's oh, fine. I learned so much. I learned. I mean, we so had a clothing much. line. We had all kinds of shit. But anyway, info at whiskeyandwhitetails.com. You could send me what IWC means, and we'll read it on the next podcast. And for product alert, I'm going to go ahead and hit the button again. Do it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. We are going to make. So we're doing a new line of hunt club stuff. So it's going to be things you can put in your hunt club. But they don't have to go necessarily be the hunk. Or your office. Put them in your office. Put them in your dining room. Put them wherever you want. Put on your wife's nightstand. We're going to do a whiskey stave photography rest, and it only will be sold with Dom Gatto Photography. Absolutely. So you can, we'll probably have three-ish of his uh, top-selling photos or best-liked photos, and it will come with a whiskey barrel stave that we're going to cut and fashion into a beautiful rest. And we're not going to give away... What the photo's made of, but it's a thick, sturdy, robust <laughs> photograph that we will rest on these whiskey staves, and they're going to be very pretty. They may already be out right now. I'm sure that they are because we basically made a prototype tonight. Yeah, but um, they'll probably they'll definitely be out by now. But yeah, you actually we may time the release to this podcast. That's what we'll do. Maybe I don't I'm know. so excited. Yeah, we can do that. We'll time the release to the. We podcast. didn't say a date, so we, we can yeah. we can time that, and that puts a, you know, lights a little fire under my ass to uh, to figure out the best way to to set that up. Yeah, we'll have them ready, um, and then you start looking at the three photos, and 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 if you go to 
our site. Do you want to sell them as well? No, we'll sell them through you guys. This is a whiskey right. and white tails thing. We'll do I'm it. We'll do it. Come to our site, whiskeyandwhitetails.com, and use podcast for twenty percent off. And we probably aren't doing free shipping right now because there's no holidays. But no, you can pay for shipping. Tight one. Yeah, you pay for shipping. It's, it comes out of. <laughs> it doesn't. It's not like we charge you shipping and then we're like, ha Look at this money. No, and you, you, yeah, you pay for shipping. The one listening to this, you is want it in your griping. house. You pay for the shipping, okay? Yeah. <laughs> but you can use code podcast to get twenty percent off, and um, and we'll have them on there with three photo options. We'll go ahead and lock it down to three because four is too much. So three I can, of the think, best. I can think of three good ones already. Yeah, we have plenty of time. You probably got a couple weeks. We'll give you three weeks. Done. At least. Done and done. Deadline met. Don't worry. And we'll probably do a package deal where you can get all three for, for a cool price. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. That way cool. you can rotate it. Like, uh, you know, I'm feeling. Uh... Or just put all three up in your office. I, for one, am going to buy one uh, correctly so that everyone gets paid here and uh, and have it in my office. For sure. I'm not. I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. And we'll send you one for display. Yeah. She already awesome. had the photos. But yeah, awesome. we're really excited about this collaboration. It was a uh, Dom's idea and it took us a while to figure out how to make it work. And uh, this is what we've gone up with. And we think it's, uh, well, we know it's going to be a hit because everything we make is fire and everything you make is fire. So, right. Oh, I got plenty of your stuff. I love it all. Dude. I got plenty of your stuff. You send me a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm, dr- I'm drinking out of my whiskey and whitetails glass right now. It's beautiful. That's what's up. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we done jerking each other off here? <laughs> <laughs> no. Don't have it completed yet. <laughs> All right. We got some uh, pulled pork barbecue sandwiches and a bunch of products to make. Yep. We got to get uh, ready for our first night market. Yep. Start at the night market on Friday. So Awesome. Good stuff, guys. Thank you very much yes, for sir. having me on. I really yeah. do appreciate it. Thanks for yeah. joining us. Thanks for joining us. Right. Anyone else who's listening out there, take it from me because I am I own stuff from Whiskey and Whitetails. Matt and Gus, good people. They have some awesome products. Smoke blocks are great. The glass is great. That cigar rest is awesome. Use it all the time. I'm so uh, if you guys are looking for some cool gift ideas or some cool stuff just to have around your house, in your cabin, in your hunting room, yep. whatever it may be, Matt and Gus the people. I just moved into a, to a new house and I have a – some bare space in my office. So I'm going to be checking out uh, Dom Gatto's website for yeah some print ideas to fill some space on my wall. If you guys need, need some whiskey and white, if, uh, there we go. if you guys need some <laughs> epic pictures of deer, <laughs> epic Dom, you, you sell them as prints and framed and basically any way you want to get it, you can get it right on your website. On the website I got prints and frames, but I can also do canvases, metals, acrylics, you name it. I can print it. He can put it on there. He can even put it on cups. I can put on cups. I can put on actual pieces of maple wood printed directly that. onto the maple wood. That's fascinating. And they all look photo quality. We've uh, mm-hmm. gotten some samples from them as we're working on our products together. Uh, it's domgottophoto.com, right? Yes, sir. You use no code and pay the full price because they're worth it. Use code whiskey, 10% off. I'm putting that up. All right. Code whiskey, 10% off. Use code whiskey, 10% off. All right. Hell yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I appreciate you joining us. Obviously, uh, per our conversation, we're going to have another one of these in a few months or five, six, whatever it is. So keep an ear out for that. Absolutely, uh, man. Yep. As always. Bye. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. <laughs> Bye. See ya. <laughs> Thanks, man.
Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.